Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. How are you doing? Today, we are very lucky to have a special guest uh, with us uh, today in the studio. Shams Musa, thanks for being uh, with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start by introducing you uh, to the listeners. My name is Shams Musa, and I have studied my fashion degree. And I have also studied uh, my Diploma of Merchandising and Marketing. And I've worked in the fashion field. And I've worked in teaching. Use of saying special, because for us it is special. What well, Our listeners predominantly are Australians. Uh, and when I say Australians, I mean we're all Australians. But they're yep. more likely to be Anglo-Saxon than they are Palestinian. And the opportunities for them to hear authentic stories from Palestinians like yourself and Yusuf yep. and myself are limited. And they're certainly not available in the uh, mainstream media or Fairfax or News Corp. So when we have a, a guest with a story to tell, as you ready have, to share with us. It's yeah. very exciting we for us. We feel so. very lucky. So thank oh, you, wow. uh, Shams. Uh, welcome. So Shams, uh, where in Palestine are you originally from? Okay, my family are originally from Akbara which is next to Safad. Um, it's like 200 metres away from Safad. It's a small village. It's only about 2,000 acres in total. There's around 75 houses all up built on in Akbara. Mm. Um, probably most of it is my family members. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are a big tribe. Yes, yeah. yes. We come from two family members, one Musa and one Ma'adi. Mm. Both of them are my family members, my mum's side and my dad's side, and they're related as well. To help our listeners yep. imagine uh, uh, the yep. atmosphere here, yep. um, you, you, you were born in the 70s. That's correct. That's so correct. Uh, you, when you're talking about your village, you're talking about what you've heard That's from right. your parents and from grandparents. your grandparents, because That's this correct. village does not exist anymore. It was completely ethnically cleansed in 1948. And no one lives there at all. Mm. My uncle went about five years ago to Palestine and he seen and took photos of the house that he's, he was um, born, born in. Yeah. yeah, him and his brothers and sisters. And um, 
and he's saying oh, the house was knocked down and no one's living in the village. Mm. I saw you posting some pictures yesterday. That's right. Is, are these the pictures your yes, uncle sent of, you? Yes, of the house. Oh, the, well, that, that's that the was actual a beautiful house. village. Yes. Mm. Is um, the actual house that was built in Akbara until they were expelled. Shams, uh, could you please uh, tell us um, what you've heard from your grandparents about their last days in uh, Akbara? We understand that both your family, your father and your mother's side uh, were expelled from Akbara. Let's start by your father's branch. First, I wanted to say um, Akbara was very well known in, it's a farming area, mm. and they were well known in growing seeds. Grains. Mm. Habubi, uh, call it, yes. That's right. Yeah. And they also, um, they were, believe it or not, known for growing grapes and making wine. <laughs> that's, that's very <laughs> Would progressive. Would you believe it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> the reality is the, the dehumanization of the Palestinian, of the Arab, of the Muslim. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that was perpetuated no. post-World War One, and, you know, the colonialism that they perpetuated on us the reality is before world war one we were a functioning society with business and agribusinesses vineyards grains so you know this concept that we couldn't possibly have a vineyard that's right because you know you're arabs what what do you mean you're having a vineyard Mm. i mean it's evidence that it didn't happen Mm. yeah we did have it we did (laughs) the best wine in the world (laughs) yeah and the olives don't forget the olives of course started all with the um the Palestinians accepted the European Jews into our country because they were getting persecuted in Europe. The Palestinians didn't know that refugees are going to become militants and drive us out of our country. They started forming militias, Haganah, Estern, Ergon. After November in 1947, they started attacking um, the Palestinians, mm-hmm. like what happened in Deir Yassin. Mm-hmm. My mother was explaining to me how they killed hundreds and hundreds of people. They lined them up mm. and they killed all mm-hmm. these men. Mm. There were pregnant women they stabbed. There were children they killed. And they just murdered everyone. Mm-hmm. So when that happened... The um, the villages around the area were scared for their lives. Mm. And they were, had fear. They were coming closer into closer so did to you Akbara. So da- did, did your mum or dad talk to you about when did they leave Palestine? Akbara was attacked on the 9th of May, 1948. This is when they left. Um, because they started invading and coming closer to Akbara, this is when my Mosa Mosa, my grandfather decided to go out and defend his village. So Musa Musa is the father of your father? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. He was the only child for his family. So your father parents. didn't have uncles or aunts? No. Hmm. He wanted to defend his family. Mm-hmm. So he went out with 10 other men to try and um, protect the village, the village and he, their families. So as they went, um, they went into Darhana mm. and um, they were hiding between the olive trees and they were hiding and they were captured. They got taken into a cave and got killed. The okay. whole 10 of them got oh. killed and left in the cave. Okay. And no one from Akbara or anyone around the area could um, 
Go bury them. We can't get them. Yeah. They couldn't get them. No one could get them because they would have been killed as well. Mm-hmm. So they were left there for years. When his mother found out that her son was killed, she tried to commit suicide. She threw herself from the house roof. She didn't die. My grand- great-grandfather, he, um, he went crazy. He started walking around. You know, they were very rich in those days. Um, they had big bags, sacks of gold. He's walking around with these two sacks asking, whoever can bring Musa back can have all this gold. Mm. He was completely devastated about the loss of his only son. And so then um, after that, obviously, um, they had to flee. Mm-hmm. So then my grandmother, his wife, with my dad and his other siblings, five of them had to flee and run over to Lebanon. Mm-hmm. How, how old was your father? My dad would have been around 10 mm. or 13 years old. Mm. So he time. was taken by his grandparents. And That's right, and his yeah. and his mum. Yeah, and they went to Lebanon. And then later on, my grandfather was um, um, found in the cave. He was taken out by the Palestinian from I think Safad, mm. and they gave him a, a, a proper burial. And apparently, the men that took him out of the cave mentioned that whole ten men were still looking the same as the day they went to fight and when they buried them. Muslims believe that shaheeds yeah. uh, have this uh, dignity from God. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And So um, he received the proper burial. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And there's a big plaque with all the ten um, men's names on it. Mm-hmm. This was an abbreviated story of my dad's side. Now I'll be talking about my mum and what happened to her family on the 9th of May. Mm. Haganah attacked the village. There were shootings. There were a sound of killing. There was um, a horrific atmosphere. Bombardment, shelling. Yes. And so people needed to flee. They were just running. Um, for their lives. For their lives. There, were, there was fear. And so they ran. People ran out of the houses, out of the village, without thinking. My mum's family all fled out of the houses, grabbed all the kids, and they ran. About one hour later, they, um, her mother realised that she forgot my mother in her cot. Mm. And she started crying hysterically thinking oh, I'm not going to um, leave my daughter in uh, in the house. Um, my grand- grandfather said, you know, like, um, what are we going to do? Because her brother, her oldest brother, decided, oh, I'm going to go back. I'm not going to let my mum go back to the house too. Just imagine what went through the minds of your mother's mother oh. and, fam- and father. Do we go back and risk... The, yeah, that's the lives what, of more people. That's what to save the gram- one, yeah. one baby, or do we? It's, it's just like one of very that. painful decisions. Well, he's once my oldest uncle, which is my mum's oldest brother, Rashid. He decided to go back. He was trying to convince 
my grandmother saying, look, she's probably already dead. Are we going to lose two kids? Or are we going to just keep, you know, lose just the one? And she said, I'm not going to just live with myself knowing I don't know if my daughter is dead or alive. So um, Rashid, my uncle, decided to go back. And so he did. He went back into the house. He found her in bed, in the cot, sleeping. He grabbed her and he ran out. As he was running, this is what my mum visualised, and my mum explains this to me. And she was around one or two years old, but she still has flashbacks Mm -hmm. of what the incident that happened. And um, she could hear the bullets between her brother's feet and he's dodging them and she could um and she fell he dropped her a few times because it was muddy it was wet and muddy she felt it when she fell um and he'll pick her up throw her over his shoulders and run again and it was the trauma the sound the bullets everything tormented you know my mother but eventually they made it, he made it back to mm. the family. And then they walked across. She said it took three hours to walk across to Lebanon's border. Mm. Over there they had um, trains um, waiting and they took families w- without a choice to whatever country and her family ended up in Syria. So your mother's family ended up in Syria yes. and your father's family ended, ended up, up in, in Lebanon. Lebanon. And they're related, but they didn't know for years, for over six years, where the families were hmm. and, and if they were alive or dead. We're, we, we had so many stories about people not knowing where their family members, whether immediate or extended, uh, well, ended remem- up. We've got to remember this is before, you know, mobile telephones, before Google. Yeah. And this is, you know, <laughs> refugees fleeing for their lives, three-quarters of right. a million people going north, south, east, west, yeah. you know, rushing back With to With no a any local or international political umbrella uh, yeah, protecting yeah. them or doing the count. Look, I was quite shocked with a lot of different stories my mother was telling me. Mm. How, um, I'll just tell you a quick story Please. she told me. Um, and it was quite emotional. Um, this lady... She fled. She she fled out of her house. She grabbed her baby and grabbed the little pillow that her baby was sleeping on, and they ran, and um and she ran and ran, and for her life, um and then she come to a river. She just had a break. She had a rest, and then thought, oh, I don't need to hold this pillow anymore. So she grabbed the pillow, threw it in the river, thinking it was the pillow, but she threw her own son. Oh my God. Um, that's how shocked and surprised and in shock she was. She was. People, yeah. people fled Palestine in full devastation. Yes. And some families, like your family, if they didn't oh. do that in the in this particular minute, they would have been, been bombarded and killed. Killed. Yes, they would have been killed because they were going through, like combing through the country, bombing the houses. Shams, I want to ask you about what you've heard about their stories in Lebanon, especially at the early years. My father's family went to Lebanon. They lived in a camp called Ain al-Halwi with his mother and great-grandmothers. 
and grandfather. They lived there and, um, and they had hoped, the grandparents had hoped to come back. Apparently they were told um, they were only going to be gone for seven days out of the country and then back to their homes. And then that seven days, then they were told that they were gonna, it's going to be seven months. And then they said it's going to be seven years. And now we and are now, in the 70th. That's right. 71st years. 71st. Yeah. Years, and they still haven't gone back. But the heart and soul of every Palestinian or my family members still have this strong hope and will that they will go back home. We will go home. We, we will return. Yeah. Absolutely. So when they went to Lebanon. Any yes. Any stories about uh, yeah. the, how they lived in the, in the first few years? They had a really hard time living in Lebanon. They were treated harshly. Mm. The authorities were quite cruel. And um, the grandparents were living in tents, Tents, big tents that they had, four or five families all in one tent. Um, they hardly had any clean food or water. They um, treated them badly. They wouldn't let them walk around. They wouldn't let them do anything at all. Um, and because it wasn't their country and they're coming into another country, my grandparents and the Palestinians refused to build. They, they were given mm. um, permission after years um, to build houses and to live their life, and they refused. They didn't want to have this... Um, permanent solution. Permanent, yeah. They didn't want Because that. they want. They thought that this might prolong that's their right. return. Because, that's right, and they want to return. They mm. don't want to live in Lebanon. They don't want to live in Syria or any other country. They want their own home and mm. land. Mm. And so, um, so if we fast forward to your uh, migration to Australia, you came from Lebanon. Yes, to I came. I came when I was young, but uh, I came in the, in the seventies. But before we come here, um, there was war happening in Lebanon. The civil war, of course, started right. in seventy-five. Yeah. So in the time when there was the war, there was an incident that happened when I was young in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. My brother and I were playing on the bed and my mother asked my oldest brother to stay with us mm. while she goes to the shop to buy flour. So uh, how old were you? You're talking... Uh, I was probably about um, two years old, three yeah. years old. And my oldest brother came in and she said, can you stay with them until I go and buy some flour and come back? And he said, no, you're always making me stay home and look after the kids. I'm going. And he took off. So my mother grabbed me and my brother and she took us down the road to, to buy, buy flour. Yeah. yeah. So she's asking the guy to weigh up some flour. And as she's standing there, all of a sudden she said that she thought it was an earthquake. And the whole... Earth just shook, and all she could do is grab my brother and I, and she just went down to the ground. And she said there was dust everywhere, st stones, rocks. The, the, the sound was so loud, she said we almost went deaf. 
and everyone just ran and fled. She could see people bleeding, people dying, people, um, and she was shocked. So she grabbed them and ran. And they go and they go underground hiding. It's Bomb called Matcha. Yeah. yeah. And so she went and she hid underground. Um, my oldest brother, the one that was meant to stay, he because he was playing with his cousin, he just ran and she didn't know where he was. No one knew where he was. And then a few days later, they come out to check up on the houses and check up. And in the meantime, um, my brother went missing. And for three days, he wasn't seen. And so my dad and my mum and everyone used to go and look between rocks and stones, thinking we might find body pieces of my brother. And um, they didn't find him, but then the fourth day, they had this family bring him home. Mm. The, apparently when that happened, they fled, they grabbed him, and they thought that his parents died, so he had no one, so they looked after him. But then as they cried and um, notified everyone in Lebanon, like our son is missing and everyone was looking between the rubble. And mm. When my mother walked into the house, she found the fridge door opened, Glass broken, dust everywhere, broken cupboards, cupboard doors opened, total mess and a chaos. But what freaked her out the most was the big hole that was in the ceiling. It was made by a shelling of a missile and it landed on the bed where my brother and I were playing. Mm. So if your brother had uh, listened to your mum and looked after you, <laughs> yeah. the three of you would have died. That's right. That's the beauty of not yeah. listening to your parents. That's, that's correct. Listen, kids, don't listen to mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. But so, so your mother yeah. came to near-death experience in, uh, in, in, in Palestine, and, and then, then you yourself Lebanon. came to near-death experience in Lebanon and, and fled to Australia. That's correct, mm. yes. And, and here in Australia, there was not many Palestinians in the 70s. So um, we had a hard life. And eventually, you know, we got used to living here, but it was scary coming from a country where you could hear bullets and bombs and shooting and fighting all over the place. Coming to a quiet home, we weren't used to it. Mm. It was quite scary. We started thinking, you know, if someone murdered us, no one will know because it's so quiet. And so um, the trauma... The post-war trauma. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. You know, when, when peace is scary. Yeah. It, it's oh. unbelievable. You um, become so used to the sounds of war and, and devastation. Yeah. that yeah. In, in, in the last uh, three minutes, uh, yeah. I want to yeah. ask about uh, if you have relatives in Syria and if mm-hmm. they were affected by the war. So this, and, current, this and, current war now. And yeah. also yeah. you can end with um, your son and what Palestine means to him. I had family living in Syria, Damascus, Yarmouk camp, and Syria, Aleppo, Nerab camp. I've been to both cities 10 years ago. Um, I went back to visit family members, and they, um, you know, greeted me, and first time meeting. Wow. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so fir- first time seeing your cousins was in absolutely. 2010. That's right. Or something like that. Yep. Yeah, go on. That's correct. And um, it was an eye-opener. 
Um, there was like streets called Shout Out Palestine. Yes. Yeah. Shout Out Lubya. You know, it's like... Everything in, in Yarmouk was yeah. named after a town or a village in yeah. Palestine or a town in yeah, Palestine. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was surprising to see everyone was Palestinian. To me, it was. And um, my cousin, he's um, a teacher and his wife is a teacher and they introduced me to Fatah. Mm. And they gave me... Um, gave me flags and scarves and everything of Fatah and they explained Fatah to me and I was interested. I bring those back with me to So your Australia. family wasn't political in Australia? Yes, so they can, were actually. Okay. My dad and my uncle, they, they were um, running the PLO here. So when we were young, we were wearing these yellow T-shirts. Yeah. They said PLO and had yeah. the Palestinian flag. And we actually had an issue with one of my brothers – went to school, and every time he wore that T-shirt to PE, this teacher will tell him to take it off and would yell at him and make him sit in a corner until my brother had the courage to tell my uncle and my dad, and they went up to the school. Apparently, this teacher didn't like that T-shirt he was wearing, but my uncle dealt with it. Yet more camp looks very different than what it looks like today. Since then, it witnessed... Um, bombing, siege, hunger, ISIS, and destruction. My cousin Walid, he witnessed most of these stages and the stories he told me were devastating. He was eating grass, he told me. Mm. Uh, there, was no, there was no food, there was no water. There was Nearly nothing. 200 Palestinians died of hunger. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so uh, what happened to these relatives? Are they still yeah. in Syria? or No, no. Um, most of my relatives has been killed or oh they've been, um, uh, they've fled to London, Germany, Turkey, um, Sweden, and so many other countries. Despite the devastation, I want to end with a good note uh, about yeah. the future generation. Yep. Uh, you are a mother uh, of a beautiful uh, boy, Adam. Yep. I see him in the protests. Yes. Uh, carrying <laughs> the Palestinian yes. flag. Absolutely. Tell me, how did you convince him to join you? Um, I never pressure my kids mm. to do anything. All I did was um, in grade six, he had a project that he needed to do, and it was historical project about immigration mm. and where your background and where your family comes from. Mm. And so I started explaining where I come from and where my family comes from. And when I explained the stories of my grandfather and he was how he was killed and my mum, how she was left in the cot and the trauma of everything, everyone that went through, mm. he was devastated. He was shocked. He was emotional. So when he presented his project, he was actually emotional saying it to the teacher and right. presenting it in front of the teacher. Good yeah. on him. Yeah. And so I started taking him out to the protests and talking to him. This is the reason why we go out there, to support the Palestinians, to support the Palestinians who are in Palestine, to support their resistance and will always be with them. And so this is why he goes out there and he wants to help and do everything he can to help the Palestinians. So 71 years ago, Shams, your grandmother almost was left behind, if not for your, your um, uncle. My mother. 
Your mother, excuse me. Mm. Not for your uncle going back and getting her. The chances of you being born don't happen. And then in uh, in Lebanon, in Lebanon, when uh, your big brother refused to look after you and your little brother, and your mum took you to buy flour to make bread, I presume, and then mm-hmm. the bomb came, you almost died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golda Meir said, uh, famous Israeli uh, prime minister, that the old will die and the young will forget. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you know, Adam's doing a presentation in grade six in his high school, but he almost doesn't exist. That's right. Because if your brother had looked after you on that bed, you'd have died. If your grandfather had convinced your mother that she's probably dead, are we going to lose two children instead of one? Mm -hmm. We should just keep going north to Lebanon. Mm -hmm. If she hadn't convinced your uncle to go get her, you wouldn't be alive. That's correct. So this concept that we will forget, they don't don't get it. We love our land, our right, more than life. That's the hope. That's the spirit. Uh, yeah. uh, Shams, I cannot thank you enough yeah. for coming and joining us and for uh, yeah. sharing uh, your story despite the pain, That's despite okay. the difficulty. Uh, like Nasser said, uh, the strength of our story is in uh, our hope of return one day and Absolutely. that we will continue to repeat our narrative and to remind the world that there were Palestinians living in a thriving society before '48. Yes. So I, w- I really want to thank you again for your time with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having me. With this, we have come to the end of this week's episode of Palestine Remembered. And that also concludes our editions for 2018. We will be back with you in January 2019. Until then, enjoy your holidays. Have a great time and salam.